Anytime that four check from the Cox comes, it's deer in headlights. Here's a shot for the line, they score! Another friendly bounce for the Canucks on a slapper from the line. Nikita Zadorov with a wrister that deflects off one of his teammates. So it looks like this is going to be a goal here for JT Miller right off his stick and then goes off an Ottawa Senators player. 801 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff, the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Randy Jandit's going to join us in just a moment here. Hour 3 of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintec. There you go. Uh, let's go to the phone lines right away. Canucks big 6-3 winners over the Ottawa Senators last night at Rogers Arena. One of the guys on the call, he joins us now. Randy Janda here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Randy. How are you? What's going on, boys? Happy New Year. I guess we can still say that, right? What's the, uh, what's the expiry date on saying Happy New Year? Another day or two? I'm willing to give it until Friday. After that, all once right. the first week of the year is over. I'm a, t- I'm, I'm a two-week guy. Two-weeker. You're Carry two it all the way to yeah. Chinese New Year. Yeah, Why not? Yeah. Why yeah. not? Good call. It. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game last night? Good first period, and then did you care particularly that the Canucks were a little sloppy in the second and third? Yeah, I think it's human nature for when you get a 5 nothing lead. First of all, a, a heck of a response. When we talk about puck pursuit guys, right from the outset of that game, uh, one team was ready to go. One team took the Philadelphia game very, very personally, and you could see that in the practices that followed that game where the Canucks did get some ice in Vancouver. And, yeah, Rick Tockett wanted to send a message to say, all right, if you're not going to come out of the, uh, the Christmas break playing hard and battling, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you skate. And he did give him a bag skate. He had a couple of hard practices, and they were ready to go. Uh, overall, 5 nothing in the first period. How can you complain about that? You know, that's just very direct hockey. They were playing fast. And the final 40, like I said, it's human nature to – just kind of sit back a little bit, to lean back a little bit, to say, you've done your job, and there's going to be a response in the second period. After you spank him in the first period, uh, Jacques Martin and his staff were not happy, and they let Ottawa know you expected them to be chippy, you expect them to lean in a little bit. And I'm not, you know, I know Rick Tockett saying the final 40 were, were things that they can't have, they have to improve. That's what I expected him to say. That's what I expected the players like JT Miller to say, but... It is human nature where you kind of you start to sit back a little bit because you've done all your work essentially in the first 20, and guys, it didn't really matter. In the end, they end up getting the victory. So the first 20 is what I'm focusing on because it was so positive, and that's exactly how this team wants to play. Was that one of PD's best game of the season? No doubt. And you start looking at Pedersen's game overall. I know the two goals will be focused on um, the 3 nothing goal. I, I love that goal because – he picks the pocket of Bernard Docker and tries to go with the bank shot. So you have hard work. You have a little bit of trickery. He sticks with the play, and then he outbattles Thomas Shabbat on the other side. And that's something we've seen with Pedersen, where when he's at F2, kind of comes in, um, he leads the league in wraparound goals, but he's attempted so many, where he's just sticking in around that blue paint. 
he's trying to make that move to the outside and, and go come back on the other side. So that battle level, I loved it on that goal. And sure, the five nothing goal, there's an element of flukiness there with a, a 51 mile per hour one timer <laughs> goes through the goaltender, right? Like, hey, uh, you'll take it, especially for a power play that's been struggling. But the engagement level was what I really liked. And on the goal, the two nothing one, uh, sorry, the three nothing one that I mentioned, but even the one nothing uh, goal that uh, the Canucks end up scoring there. And Ian Cole gets his first goal of the season, but, you know, just the, the dummy play, you want to call it that, yeah. by uh, the Elias Pettersson, just intelligence there on that goal. And overall, just all over the ice, winning battles, jumping on loose pucks. Uh, that was one of his better games. And I, I'm not even looking at the goal specifically. I'm looking around his, his play all over the ice. Did you see what happened to Phil DiGiuseppe? And where did the Canucks go from there? Yeah, it was an awkward play where, you know, real time, you don't really pick it up because it was not like it was a big hit. There was a, a little bit of a, a hit by Travis Hamannick on the play, but it felt like Phil Giuseppe maybe was dealing with something earlier on in the play. And, you know, the fact that Rick Tockett mentioned it was a lower body injury, really the only contact that Hamannick seemed to make with him was shoulder to shoulder. So, you know, a bit of a, a curious play. I do wonder when it's something like that and there's no contact, uh, this is just me thinking here and uh, not going off of anything I know, but, you know, is it something like a groin where you, you kind of, uh, as you're skating, uh, you know, you kind of feel it. And, and he does stay on the ice for another 20 seconds after, uh, after you kind of notice him maybe kind of letting up a little bit. But, yeah, it's a curious one because it seemed to be, I know Talk had mentioned that he had to, to talk to the doctor still, but the fact that he'd still be out for a little while, um, that what does that imply? A week, two weeks? We'll see. Mm-hmm. But overall, uh, Niels Oman is there. He's a guy that doesn't play the same type of game, doesn't give you the ability to move up the ice. But you know that's a luxury you have with Hugh Suter, where Suter essentially um, can play any one of those four lines. He's a smart player. He's an intelligent player. He's a guy that is not shying away from you know some of those areas that you need to win puck battles and you need to get greasy goals that two nothing goal was a classic example so i think pdg definitely hurts you that he's not in the lineup potentially here because he when he's going he can forecheck well and the canucks need more of those guys but um we'll see here it's it's going to be a, a pretty grueling start to this seven game road trip and and having an aggressive forecheck is going to be something that they're going to need um we were discussing who might get called up if they call someone up um, is the favorite Linus Carlson just because he's been up already, or is there another guy that you have in mind? Yeah, I think with the having players that kind of play that way, um, and Neil Zoman is, is having him on the roster is key, right? I think with Carlson, you want somebody that you can kind of plug and play in that spot. So, A, big body. He's a guy that talk it even though he didn't lean on him too much when he did play, uh, no pun intended. Uh, that was something that, you know, a, a player that, is able to play that style in, in a fourth-line role. So I, I'd say my favorite is still Linus Carlson, but there are a couple of players that I'm looking at eventually. And I know, you know, Vasily Podkolzin is, you know, picking up some confidence uh, over the last few weeks here. He's getting near 10 goals at the AHL level. I'd like to see him simmer a little bit more, but you do start to wonder, of, even if it's a, depending on how, um, you know, how long, Phil Giuseppe would be out. You, you give him a cameo at the NHL level at some point. Uh, another player that had a great start to the year, and if you're looking at that third, fourth line role, just to get some reps with the NHL team, is Archie Baines. This is a guy that you know has some offense in his game. He's improved 
uh, going back to the last year in Abbotsford, uh, has been one of the most improved players at the AHL club. And if it's a short stint in the NHL, you want to give him a taste or you want him to practice up with the team, uh, that's another option. But, you know, there's some more veteran players on that team as well. So it's not just those guys, but I would still go Linus Carlson. I just think he fits the profile, not only of having the NHL experience guys, but the physical profile too. We know what Rick Tockett likes in his forward group, especially with guys uh, that are playing on potentially the fourth line or the second line, the ability to move up. It's a, a heavier, you know, bigger guys that, that can skate a little bit, but you know, when, when in doubt, uh, Rick Tockett is going to lean towards the side. So I would go Linus Carlson on that front. We're speaking to Canucks radio analyst Randy Janda here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, big night last night for Pew Suter, Randy, obviously with the two goals and an assist. Every time I watch him play, granted he's been hurt, so it's only been 23 times this year, but every time I watch him play, I keep wondering how this guy lasted until the middle of August without an NHL contract, had to take a pretty significant haircut to get a deal. I mean, his cap hit is basically half of what it was in Detroit. It just feels like not a diamond in the rough because he is is an established NHLer, but it seems like a guy that a lot of NHL teams could have used, and kudos to the Canucks for finding him, identifying him, signing him, and then getting from the kind of cap hit that they got him for. Totally. And playing the patient game where, yeah, maybe for Pew Suter wasn't the greatest thing because, you know, we hear it a lot uh, in the NHL where in a, in a cap situation such as this, the middle class loses out. And Pew Suter is very much in that middle class of free agents. But, guys, really intelligent player. And one of the things that, you know, when you cover Detroit or Chicago and other teams sparingly over the last few years, one of the things I've really been impressed with uh, is – isn't his intelligence right this is a a smart hockey player that given the opportunity he does have that offensive ability he's he's somebody that has you know scored 15 goals in his career uh, three times if I'm not mistaken or in and around that area he's a guy that given you know his opportunity given a chance in in you know playing on a line that a third or fourth line that has some offensive ability and remember let's go back to the beginning of the year uh, there were some moments where he was getting a chance with a Connor Garland. There was some good chemistry in the preseason. So even though Bluger has taken that you know, opportunity from him um, and, and really done a great job with it, Pew Suter, his versatility, uh, in a way, this has kind of worked out for the Canucks to say, hey, Bluger, you take down the middle with Dakota Joshua, Connor Garland, you're doing a great job. And Suter, uh, we're going to use you wherever we can. And I think a classic example of that was yesterday when PDG goes down with that injury. You're seeing Suter on the Pedersen line. You're seeing Suter in the fourth line. You're seeing Suter on uh, sparingly use of JT Miller, where whenever you need this guy, whether it's down the middle, whether it's on the wing, he's, you know, and generally we say a jack of all trades and, you know, a master of none, and that's seen as a, a bit of a negative. Uh, with Pew Suter, that's exactly what you need now, but also looking at the playoffs where injuries are going to happen. So can you use this player who's smart, who's skilled, and what I liked about his goal yesterday, guys, was, you know, he wins the battle in front of the net. It's a bit of a pinball goal, uh, takes a deflection, hits the boards, bounces back. But he's, he's battling there with Jacob Chikrin. So it's not just, you know, he's going to find his soft areas and score with that shot. Nope, he'll, he'll take a cross check and score too. But he does it in an intelligent way where his path to the net, he's not going to go through you. He's just a slippery, smart player. Randy, this is a big picture question that we were kicking around earlier in the show. Considering where the Canucks are right now in the standings and considering Elias Pettersson is going to get a big raise for next season and considering Philip Hronik is going to get a big raise next season, they've got a bunch of 
UFAs that they might not be able to keep. Guys like Teddy Bluger and Sam Lafferty, um, you know, Ian Cole, Nikita Zadorov, they're all pending UFAs. Could this year, this season, be the best chance the Canucks have to make a deep run in the playoffs in the next two, three, four years? When you're talking about competing and with quality players, I think outperforming your contract is a key element to that, right? When we we start looking at a cap world of, are you able to get players? And Pew Shooter, we just talked about, but some of those other players you listed there as UFAs, um, based on market value, they might be making exactly what they deserve or less. And in a situation right now with the Canucks at 51 points through 37 games, uh, I think the the situation they're in is a really good one. And it might be the best opportunity in the sense that, you know, while you're trying to find players on entry level deals, while you're trying to graduate some players from the AHL, which is going to take some time, it's, you know, whether that's an Atu Ratu, whether that's a, a Vasily Pod Colson, whether that's uh, even a Niels Hoaglander who is at the NHL level, but is he bringing that consistency? You need those veterans. So, you know, I think with the cap going up in the next couple of years here, there are going to be other opportunities, but this is a heck of an opportunity. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say this is the best opportunity because the cap and, and the dollars going up in the NHL are going to change the game. It's not going to be as dire as it's been the last few years with, you know, cap room and some UFAs coming off the books. It does provide an opportunity for this team to, to do some things. Um, but guys, this is something that they've got a veteran group. They've got some youth sprinkled in there. They've got, you know, two of the best, uh, two of the top 10, point scores in the NHL with Quinn Hughes and JT Miller, Elias Pedersen's hovering in that top 10 spot. They got one of the best goaltenders and you have to take advantage of that. So, you know, big picture. One of the things I've didn't think I'd be considering is how much this does this team load up? Do you make a move, you know, tinkering with the top six? Do you add another defenseman or you say, Hey, this team has given itself an opportunity. They've really deserve uh, another quality player in that top six or an impact piece, I think it's really opened that door because maybe at the beginning of the year you're saying, hey, ride it out, see what happens, and and maybe you got some decisions at the trade deadline or if this team is competitive in a playoff spot, you ride it out and say, okay, let's see what they can do. No, they put themselves in a conversation where some of those guys might be looking in the room to say, hey, all right, management, <laughs> how are you going to help us mm-hmm. out here? Uh, we put ourselves in a spot. So it's a heck of a spot. I think with the cap going up in the next couple of years, that uh, might not be the best opportunity, but it sure is one that, you know, you have to look at right now if you're management to say, how do we take advantage of this? Yeah, the cap is going up, but again, Petey's going to get a big raise. Heronik's sure. going to get a yeah. big raise. And then you've got the Ekman-Larsen buyout that ramps up in a couple of years, and that's going to be like a $4 million cap hit in a couple of seasons. I just think about, I think about a guy like Dakota Joshua, who's 27 years old. He's making his cap hit right now is is less than a million dollars. He's shown he can put the puck in the net this year. He's part of maybe I don't know all the bottom six lines in the NHL, but I'd argue he's part of one of the best bottom six lines in the NHL, and he can kill penalties. Like if you're Dakota Joshua, aren't you looking for like a three million dollar cap hit in your next contract? Yeah, you're probably looking at – we actually had this conversation off air the other day, Batch and I, and I think the two and a half is probably the number you're looking at uh, if you're if you're Dakota Joshua, the, the starting point, right? Where mm-hmm. um, if he continues to do what he does, then you're right about the the number of players that are in that conversation. So Pedersen and Hronik, of course, we know what their situations are, but you add Teddy Bluger to that, you add Sam Lafferty, who's having a heck of a year, and then 
the assortment of defensemen that still need to get paid in our UFAs or RFAs. Uh, one thing I would say, though, and this is something that this management group has done better over the last decade than the, the previous regime, is finding those players that nobody else is thinking of or maybe other teams are undervaluing. And you can go to a Sam Lafferty. Uh, you can go to you know, other players. So the key here is, yes, this is, this is a time where you know, I think everybody is recalibrating what this team is capable of and do you go for it now and you know, what does go for it mean uh, in terms of assets? What does that mean in terms of impact players? But I think with Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford, they've shown, and really this was their message right off the bat, guys, when they took the job to say, collegiate free agents, European free agents, uh, we're going we're gonna to find undervalued players across the league. So if you trust the process, if you, if you, you know, read into what they've been able to do the last couple of years, it's finding those cheaper players. And I think they've shown that through their track record that, yes, you know, right now you got to strike, but can they find the next Sam Lafferty? Can they find, you know, uh, even if it's players that fill a role for a couple of months or mm-hmm. a month, like a Mark Friedman did, uh, I think this management group thus far has shown that they can do that. So, yes, the window is open now, as Jim Rutherford was saying, it's opening. Uh, but that's why I think in the future, there's still that opportunity there because, you know, in today's NHL, you have to be able to, to trust your scouting networks and, and your ability to get players that, like Pew Suter, that are outperforming their contracts. Randy, this was great, man. Thanks for taking the time to do it. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Have a good call for the Blues game on Thursday. And once again, because I only have two more days to say it, Happy New Year, bud. Cheers, boys. Happy New Year. I'm going to use the uh, the rough two-week uh, cutoff there. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I got another week. Good, good. <laughs> Enjoy yeah. it, Randy. Thanks, Cheers, bud. Boys. See yep. you, buddy. Randy Janda here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, it is time for what we learned. A reminder, if you want to be on the radio, that's right. Be on the radio. We'll read your what we learns on the other side. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. If you hashtag it WWL and you send it in and it's good, we'll read it on the air. Now, uh, I'm going to do another what we learned. Oh, this is also yours as well. You were the one that actually submitted it mm, to us right. via email. Um, Aaron Rodgers yesterday. <laughs> I'm gonna I believe try- you guys are giving time to this. Why? It's a big story. Uh, There's lots of layers to it. And I'm going to, you know what I'm going to Every do? layer less interesting than the next. <laughs> I disagree because mm-hmm. I think there's something important going on here. But I w- I'm going to lay this out as unbiased and as factually as possible. Okay. So yesterday, Aaron Rodgers did his regular appearance on the Pat McAfee show. On ESPN. Right. ESPN, as many people know, is owned by Disney. That's important to keep in mind as this story goes along. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, over the last few years, has sort of had this not really a rivalry, but kind of a rivalry, but they don't like each other, and they're kind of taking shots at one another relationship with Jimmy Kimmel, who has a late-night talk show you may have heard of. Everyone knows this. And what what network is that on? ABC. And who owns ABC? Disney. Okay. Have we laid that out? Here is what... Aaron Rodgers had to say about Jimmy Kimmel on the Pat McAfee show on ESPN, again, a company of Disney's, yesterday. This has something to do with the Epstein list that came out? 
Feels like it. Feels <laughs> like it. That's supposed to be coming out soon. That's supposed to be coming out soon. Look at this guy. He's been it's waiting in his wine people. cellar. Yeah. I've been waiting in my wine <laughs> cellar for this <laughs> thing. A lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, are really hoping that doesn't happen. <laughs> All right. All right. Obviously, a clip from this particular program was run on Jimmy Kimmel's show uh, whenever Aaron brought up the, the list and then. Jimmy mocked him for it. Mm-hmm. Aaron has not forgotten about that. But here we are sitting right in front of that nice bottle of scotch. Mm-hmm. What do you say? I'm waiting to celebrate something. Oh, yeah. yeah something <laughs> He's off. been waiting That's for the that. one. <laughs> you been hey, I'll tell you what. If that list comes out, I definitely will be popping, popping some sort of bottle. So everyone knows what's going on in that clip, right? If you don't, uh, he is referring to the list of um, – I don't even want to say invitees. People that had visited associates. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein associates. Jeff yeah. Epstein, the financier with the <laughs> island. Uh, anyway, the, the, a very serious situation that involves a sex ring and pedophilia and everything else has been morphed into kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge inside mm-hmm. joke. Oh, you're on the Epstein list. Right. Now, there's no evidence to, su- to suggest that Jimmy Kimmel is involved in that, by the way. But Aaron Rodgers just threw it out there. Now, we're in a real crux here because we mentioned that Disney now has a very weird situation on its hands where two of its biggest platforms right now, I'm not joking, is probably the Jimmy Kimmel Show and the Pat McAfee Show. Mm -hmm. They're huge properties. They're huge platforms. And would you say that Aaron Rodgers is the biggest guest, the most popular guest, the most news-creating guest on the Pat McAfee Show? I bet Pat McAfee is not on ESPN without the exclusivity to Aaron Rodgers. Right. Okay? So what what does poor Bob Iger, who's gone back to Disney... And to be the CEO, how does he handle so this? So that's one major, major aspect of this. Is you've almost got two of your biggest properties clearly not liking one another and going after one another. Because mm-hmm. after that clip aired, Jimmy Kimmel took to Twitter and essentially said that he was going to sue yeah. Aaron Rodgers for defamation. And he, said, and he said something that I think is important, too. Is like, listen, if you say this sort of stuff, you're putting my family at jeopardy. Now, Aaron, and I, this is why I wanted to try and paint every corner and every picture. I just want to throw it out there as unbiased as, as I can. There are some people out there who have said that this is just the latest and most recent salvo in two guys crap talking one another. Two guys that are taking shots at one another because, and essentially it comes down to, well, Kimmel started it. Then there are the other people that will maybe say, like people will be like, Bob Iger loves it. People are talking about his employees. And then the, the other people that will say, well, what is escalation, right? Where is the line? What is too far? Mm-hmm. Where is it making fun of someone's vaccination status can lead to accusing someone of being on the Epstein Island list? And at this point, everything is so sullied and everything is so toxic that I don't really know where the line is. Yeah. Some people... Have an no idea one knows. Of it. No one knows where the line is when it comes to that big word discourse. Yeah, right. What what, what, what is tact? things have changed? What is acceptable? Yeah. And I mean, I I do, I honestly don't know. But here, and it was interesting because there was a writer from uh, the New York Times. Oh, the New York Times. But he brought up a really good point. Benjamin Hoffman from the New York Times. He says, "I know exactly how this is going to go. Aaron Rodgers is going to announce in a day or two that mainstream media twisted his words and he would never imply that Jimmy Kimmel was actually on the Epstein list. That this is, and this is I'll say it was obviously tongue-in-cheek. Because remember... As related to our our friendly rivalry. 
And that's, I think, unfortunately, how this is going to play out. Is well, the, how would you like to see it played out? Aaron Rodgers getting sued? Kind of. Yeah. If you're going to say something, if you're going to go. I'd love to see Aaron Rodgers be, be forced to read an apology. Like, <laughs> that would be incredible. Do you, do you remember? He chooses, to, he chooses to represent himself in court. Yeah. Like, well, I will represent myself. You remember, the, you remember the one thing about the vaccination issue was that he, remember he referred to himself as inoculated? Right. Yeah. You know, like he likes to do this and it's great. And if you want the platform and you want to have unfiltered and unfettered access to get your message out there, that's awesome. But you have to stand by what you're saying. Like you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, I want the message to be delivered from me by me. And that way I can go straight to the consumer with it. Could he not argue though, that it was obviously tongue in cheek. You can argue anything you want, Yeah. but to dance around it. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, to bring it up unprompted, like it wasn't like they were talking about Jimmy Kimmel and the Epstein list. He brought it up out of nowhere. Well, didn't one of the other guys bring it up? The Epstein list? Yeah, but then they didn't bring up Jimmy Kimmel. Right, right. Right? I mean, that's the thing. You could hear Pat McAfee panicking just a little bit. A little bit. Okay. (laughs) A little bit. Having panicked numerous times on air. I know what on air panic is. Let's uh, change the subject now, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. You can see the sweat right through right in his tank top. (laughs) I got to change my tank top. (laughs) Anyway, we're way up against it for time. I did want to get that out there. Sun's out, gun's out. I'm panicking. (laughs) Let's moo cow that tank top. Uh, Humanoid, what we learn is coming up next. Get him in. 650-650 is the text line. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.33 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. It is what we learn time. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound? Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Uh, we are going to do humanoid what we learns in a moment. Before we fire up that matrix and do the get fire plan stuff. A-Dog, yes, Andy Cole, the goal king himself. He has a what we learned. It's a sports one. It's a hockey one. Oh, my God, it's a Canucks one. Andy, what did you learn? Yeah, well, I realized we hadn't mentioned this yet, which is crazy because I figured this would be the main talking point from the game last night, is that Wayne Gretzky, the great one, was in attendance to watch the Canucks take out the Senators. I liked the people joking around saying, like, wow, the great one is here. And so is Wayne Gretzky because Gretzky was sitting next to Chad, Chad Kroger. Kroger yeah. <laughs> what a yeah. crew. What there, a was crew a, though, there was right? a decently funny video of, uh, I guess they do How You Remind Me sometimes during the game. They had this video thing up for How You Remind Me. Were you at the game? No. Oh, okay. And uh, the camera was just on Kroger the entire time. Kroger, sorry, the entire time. Uh, just watching this thing unfold. He's like, okay, here we go. How You Remind Me. They're going to make me ask me to want to sing. And he's just sort of sitting there quietly to himself like, 
please don't please don't ask me please don't ask me please you know but it was very funny did he uh what up my name is chad kroger that's him right there that was him. <laughs> yeah that was him so well, wiener was there because he was probably at the winter classic he was part TNT. of the yeah yeah he's part of the tnc broadcast crew in seattle mm-hmm. and then he just and he was sitting sitting with francesco Accolini, wayne gretzky and chad kroger what like the, those three on the town after just the crew tr- just a trio of dudes just yeah. being dude just dudes being dudes wow. dudes being Rock. guys um so why did you think that was so what like because it's Wayne Gretzky, Jason. But what's better than this? Guys being dudes. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe we had that at the ready. That's amazing. Um, Gretzky's I, I, also I, tight with Talkit, though, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. As a kid, I still like I I saw Wayne Gretzky um, just like score so many points on the Canucks or against the Canucks. Like I think he scored that might be of of any team in the NHL. He didn't score more points. Than the Canucks, like I remember him you know? scoring his eight eight a second eight hundred third, whatever the record yeah. when he was with the Kings. I remember yeah. watching that game versus mm. the Canucks. He used to come house. into the Pacific Coliseum and just like pick up like six points and be like, "All right, see you later." So like, little Jason hated him pretty much. Is what you're saying? By the way, uh, I never. It just it just seemed like he played on in a different league. Yeah. Than the Canucks. See, they I never got to watch so Prime much... Gretzky. It's one of my oh biggest my regrets. You my know earliest what... memory of Gretzky is with the Kings. He was still great. But he wasn't Oilers Gretzky at that point. Well, you know what's really funny, too, is that when he used to come to the Coliseum during the 80s, there'd be like 8,000 people there. Because mm-hmm. the Oilers would, would be in Vancouver, you know, four, sometimes five times a season. It wasn't that big a deal to see him. Yeah, you saw him a lot. Yeah, I remember the Canucks played a best of three with the Oilers. and uh, Or, sorry, a best of five with the Oilers. And game three was at the Coliseum. The Oilers had won the first two games in Edmonton, like, easily. And the Coliseum was about a third full for in the playoffs, game three against the Oilers, because there was just no hope yeah. that the Canucks were going were gonna to beat them. Um, I, one of the more uh, unexpected things was Wayne Gretzky becoming, like, a fairly good analyst, a studio analyst. Mm-hmm. He's still not great. Oh, he's interesting though. He tells great stories. Yeah, yeah. He's, I've he's, seen him on a, a few podcasts in the yeah, last year. Yeah, great storyteller. Yeah, a few random yeah. podcasts in the last year, and not even ones you'd expect to see him on. And he'd have these all these great insights and stories. And he would, doesn't repeat himself. Like every time I would watch him, he'd have a new story to tell. Like the guy was—he's super fascinating. One have you ever heard the life. story about the time that he knew it was time to hang him up? I have not. He oh. told the story a few years ago. Um, he knew it was time to hang him up when he was still playing. And he would go into the puck for a corner, and guys on the other team would be like, "Heads up, Wayne! I'm here! I'm gonna hit you!" Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, like this is Mr. Gretzky. Please be careful. Yeah, I'm coming I'm, into the corner here. I'm coming to check you now. Yeah. <laughs> guys, just terrified. Nobody to hit wanted him. to hurt him. Nobody. <laughs> oh, wanted Mr. Gretzky, are yeah. you okay? Yeah. Heads up, Wayne! I'm right here. <laughs> it is yeah. like that grandma meme. It's like they used to hit me in the corners, and they're like, "Sure, they did, Grandpa." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, give us a mooka on that. I scored 92 goals one season. Okay, Grandpa. <laughs> okay, Grandpa. You have nine. Let's go put you to bed. It's 4.30. Um, let's fire up the Dom Matrix. Do some humanoid what we learns, huh? Humanoid what we learns brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God. We're having a fire plan. All right. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's what we learned. I learned the pundits still put the Canucks behind the Leafs and Oilers for probability to win the Stanley Cup. Will it be us against the world if we make a run? Um, in terms of Stanley Cup odds, I would still give the Oilers a better chance of winning the Stanley Cup than the Vancouver Canucks. 
Um, uh, I don't know about the Leafs. I don't. I don't. I just don't think the Leafs are a very good team right now. God, I mean, I got We if we're doing the Canadian team thing, you know, worry about the Jets now. Well, no, no, but of those three teams, I know, I know. Well, who would you uh, give a better? Who would you like on a level of shock? If the Canucks win the cup versus the Oilers winning the cup, despite the fact that the Oilers got off to that awful start and they're still not technically in a playoff position. I mean, look, most... You're obviously less shocked to the Oilers winning yeah, the cup, right? Yeah, yeah. But, it, but you can't ignore what's happened this season. That's the thing. Like, if you were to go back to everyone's preseason predictions, you'd be like, oh, of course it's the Oilers. Everyone predicted them ahead of the season mm-hmm. to be above the Canucks and to have a greater shot at it. But the depths and the, the lows were so low. And I'm still not 100% convinced that they've got the right goaltending mix to go as far as they want to go in the playoffs. Oh, I'm sure people in Edmonton aren't sure of that. Either. Like, I think they'll get there now. Yeah. I mean, the eight and six game winning streaks under Knobloch will probably help. Uh, Dan and Poco has a question for us. He says, guys, I'm catching up via podcast. Thanks for downloading the podcast, Dan. We appreciate that. Uh, I'm really curious about the look of the defense in Vancouver when Susie finally plays. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Juleson actually looks good with Cole. The worry is disrupting the chemistry. Same reason Suter didn't get his spot back when he returned because they didn't want to disrupt that line. So how do they navigate this? Dan, I think it, I think Juleson's out. I think he's played okay too, and I think he's actually been – I give him a lot of credit for – he. there were times early in the season where he did not look good, and I'm like, he's maybe not a competent NHL defenseman or a full-time mm-hmm. guy, but he's done probably as much as you can ask of him. But it's real – it's pretty simple to me. When Susie's back, Juleson's out. Do you think down the line though? Do you explore a Tyler Myers trade to create some cap space to bring in whatever you want? I mean, if it's on not whatever you want, but you know, a forward or a defenseman. If it's on merit, and it's just solely about like, have you taken the challenges we presented to you, and have Mm -hmm. you done okay with them? Then Juleson probably deserves it on merit. I would like to sorry, but the gnawing thing in the back of my mind is going to be like, when does the bottom fall out of this? When do we get like a Calamitous, yeah, but isn't calamitous he, but effort. It, isn't he okay on the third pair? If you've got Cole and Juleson on the third pair, what I would like to see is Zadorov and Susi on a pair together. He throws Susi on the right side, put him with Zadorov just to see what it looks like. Mm. Right? It's always dangerous though to assume that everyone's going to stay healthy mm-hmm. because you could be like, yeah, okay, uh, let's even if Zadorov and Susi look good together, so you would have. Hronik with Hughes, uh, Zudorov with Susie, and then you'd have a third pair of Cole and Juleson. And be like, okay, yeah, you can trade Tyler Myers. What if one of them gets hurt? Yeah, <laughs> right? that's the thing. You need, yeah, like you I mean, need R- Randy polluted to it. You need depth. In, in, like you need so much depth going in. It's like it's like we ca- we almost have to be reminded now of what you need for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Like yesterday, I was joking around how the trade deadline now is like. We need to recalibrate our brains. Is like it's not the selling time. This is this the trade deadline is fun for for adding pieces. Remember the connections to add pieces and stockpile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 not stockpile. Like get players. Like not draft picks. No, no, stockpile players. Yeah, yeah, stockpile players. Humans. Um, and do you remember? uh, I I don't know if you guys recall back in 2011, the Canucks ran into some injuries on the on the back end. Can't recall. During, during their playoff run. And if you are hoping for a deep playoff run, you do have to have depth. I think it was – I want to attribute this to Lawrence Gilman, but I'm not 100% certain. But I remember him saying, I think – Eight or nine player, Eight or nine defensemen. Nine defense, if you're yeah. And for some reason, it was like a, he thought teams on the West, because of the extra travel and flight and wear and tear, that you needed nine capable NHL defensemen to get through a full playoff run. 
Like if you're going, if you're assuming every series is going to go like right. six or seven, mm-hmm. and, and I mean it's not probably not wrong. When Myers' see- cap hit just looks so tantalizing to move, though. Yes. You know, <laughs> six million dollars. A dump has never looked more tantalizing. Okay, okay. all right. Uh, can I do a quick I know what, what I we said. Yeah, I go. got one. I, yeah, I forgot Greg. I had one. Yeah, uh, there was an incident. I know it was a game that everyone had their eyes on. Arizona, Florida. Yeah, uh, there was a another moment involving Nick Cousins. Oh no, he threw a. He's a weasel. He threw an awkward He's a hit. Real weasel. Knocked a guy from behind, but then listen to the sound that it makes when Jason Zucker comes to the defense of his teammate and drills him into the boards. Just listen to the sound. Forsling goes glass. Picked up by Barkov. Oh, and Cousins is run by Zucker. He he, he did not a, let up. That is a big collision. Yeah, I, I think Cousins sold it a little bit with the the flail, but no, uh, man, not Nick Cousins. He not, I it. know, right? And then you know who had to defend Nick Cousins? Gustav Forsling, <laughs> the world's first ever Gustav Forsling Jason Zucker fight. It was amazing. <laughs> did they really fight? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. It's it's great now because like there's. We know the we, we knew these guys were going to go at some point. It'd be funnier if his teammates didn't defend and they're like, "Yeah, he deserved it." <laughs> God, yeah, isn't he annoying? Yeah, just play that sound. We hate him though? too. <laughs> I just want to hear him get crunched one more time. Okay, yep, ready? Do it. Picked up by Barkov. Oh, and Cousins is run by Zucker. I was half expecting like a ah, that or was some a, sort of sound effect. That after was that. that was very WWE esque when someone gets thrown through a table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Um, okay, we get one from Chris in Surrey. Speaking of annoying things, hashtag WWE. What we learned: JT Miller hates Thomas Drance. <laughs> Play okay. it, play it, play it. Well, I gotta get it up. Play oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. What was that? <laughs> Drance, Drance is currently trending on Twitter <laughs> once again. again. <laughs> He's trending on X. I still can't do it. Nope. JT Miller and Drance. So here's. Uh, oh just, my God. Okay. No, no, just no, play no. the clip. Let me just. No, no, no. Let me read. <laughs> let I me read it. the right side I of my. It. Let me read the right side of my social media right now. Senators at Canucks. Yeah. Drance. Yeah. Jeffrey Epstein, uh-huh. the, <laughs> G- the financier, JT Miller, and Dave Chappelle. Those are the big four, aren't they? I got yeah, oh, big four right now. Mine the is the same. Mine is Senators at Canucks, Jeffrey Epstein with the Island, Drance, JT Miller, and Oprah. Oh, oh that's adding Oprah to the mix. Drance, JT Miller, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, and warm blankets. <laughs> okay, let's, let, for the people that don't know what happened, play the clip. Could you tell that it was fluttering though? Like, were you, were you trying to get in the way? Which which one? The the goal you scored, the, the Meyer shot that sort of deflected. No, was the, the door off. Oh, that wasn't right. Sir, door. Should watch the game, Drancer. <laughs> <laughs> body bag. They dragged him out of there in a body bag. Owned. Owned. I yeah. I mean, credit to Drance as well for owning it though. He's like, yep, yeah, that's on me. Wait, just because yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal. It's like, no, oh yeah, who cares? Sorry. Yeah. But God bless. I thought it was another defenseman that shot it. <laughs> God bless those of our audience who are like, see, proof of concept. Players hate Drance. Yeah, like Drance is literally at the game watching the game yeah. from the press like, what box. What did you think he was Doesn't watching? watch the games. <laughs> what did you Doesn't watch the games. Yeah. But anyway, he sits in fun. the press box and uh, just looks at his spreadsheets, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe, I don't know, Miller was having a little fun with him and no. smiling as he said Impossible. There's no fun here. No, he hates him. He hates, hates him. him. Unsigned text, so it must be from Gary. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. Zach McEwen, yeah, former Canucks Zach McEwen. The 2-10 and 10 he took sucked the life out of the Canucks game last night. Lots of goals scored, but zero passion. He was just angry. He was just trying to get something going, right? Yeah, I kind of missed that someone. block of the game, yeah. Who was it that he was trying to go with, though? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. I checked out, too. Well, I'm like it's five nothing. They're not going to blow this. I'm so not, you have confidence in the Canucks now. Um, I had yeah. Well, after they got up, 
uh, I had it. <laughs> Can you imagine how I, I, stupid it would be if one of the Canucks took that fight? They're like, yeah, it's go time. I'll do that. You got to respect the former Canuck, though, Zach McEwen. He's played 200 games in the NHL. You know what? That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, back when we were at the Athletic, it was right around that time where he was the only shining light in yeah, Utica. There's a lot of stories about Zach McEwen. I wrote so many. St- I know everything about Zach McEwen. <laughs> I talked to his like parents. <laughs> I interviewed him multiple times. Who's the other guy you wrote about a lot, too? Will Lockwood. I wrote a lot about Will Lockwood. <laughs> he had ladder. Do you miss those days? You loved he, prospects talk. He had ladder jet surgery on his shoulder. I know. I know what the sur- I know what the procedure What's is. What's it called? Ladder jet. Ladder jet. I think it's the name of the doctor that uh, invented the procedure. Oh, okay. It's for separated shoulders. Oh, I I'll see. have to double check that. It's something like. Like I was like Latter Day Saints. Not surgery? that, and it's not Learjet. I think it's oh, Latter. You're right. Latter-jet. It's a Latterjet. Yeah, Latterjet. Right. Yeah. Okay. See, sometimes uh, I know things. Basketball, Phil. What we learned. SGA. That stands for uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Right. Did you know that? I did know I that. Know I know I saw him play basketball. live last year. SGA is a legit contender for MVP in the association and the Thunder. He just keeps dropping 30-plus point games. Yeah, I love this, and I also hate this. You hate it because of where it's happening. Yeah, Oklahoma City. They're now 23 and now. 20, 23 and now. 23 and 9 uh, after beating the Boston Celtics, a pretty good team. Last night, yeah. If you look at uh, the, a huge win streak, yeah, and Gilgis Alexander is like consistently over thirty points, like always the leading scorer for his team. This is great for the Thunder, who I hate, but it's also good for Canadian basketball. It's amazing. And again, the Olympics is coming up, and Canada will be in this tournament, and they've got a chance to not only medal. You have to give them a chance, at least a chance, mm-hmm. to play in the gold medal game. Uh, last five games for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 34, 36, 40, 24, and 36 points. He is, if he wins MVP, now here's the thing. To get into that level in the current NBA is so extremely difficult. Because Jokic had a stranglehold on the MVP. Embiid got his. Giannis is there. You know, it's like it's it's almost kind of refreshing because it's not like Shea is small by this day. Right. He's six six. Mm-hmm. But by the those guys' standards, he's a little guy. He's a shooting guard, right? I mean, yeah. it's been dominated by bigs the last little bit. And he is just he's got such a fun game to watch. He's in control of everything when he plays. Like it never looks like it's frenetic or it's, you know, something's going to go wrong. He's just so smooth and so controlled. He's so much fun to watch play basketball. And I know you hate it because it's OKC, but like Chet Holmgren is also fun to watch. Mm-hmm. He's very, very lanky. They have a lot of lanky basketball players right now. <laughs> Too many Slendermen going on. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Tambo in East Van, what we've learned, I've learned that due to hashtag the start, the Canucks afforded themselves the luxury to have a sub-500 road trip coming up here and still maintain a comfortable spot in the standings. They just need to keep adhering to the staples of the Tockett system. Tambo, that is loser talk. <laughs> That's a loser talk, buddy. Um, but yeah, they have. They uh, Listen, they, they've given themselves a bit of a cushion, but I think for Rick Tockett, he's going to be preaching to them, don't let up, because... You know, it's 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 the same as last night in a bigger picture. They had a 5 nothing lead on the Senators. Even if they played really badly, they probably weren't going to blow that lead. And even though the Senators got a few back, and maybe there was a few moments in the third period where you wondered, okay, if Ottawa gets his third goal, is it going to get a little bit 
crazy. You know, you still need to keep reminding to adhere to the staples and keep playing the right way, all the cliches, etc. But there's also just like some acknowledgement. Last night, there's acknowledgement that, number one, there's another team on the ice, and Ottawa's going to hopefully show some pride mm-hmm. and start trying. And the team with the 5 nothing lead is kind of like, yeah, we got a 5 nothing lead. Right. Right? And when it comes to this road trip, um, I think – I hope the Canucks approach it as like, hey, there are some teams here that are considered Stanley Cup contenders, including a team like – the New York Rangers, and I don't know, maybe if the New Jersey Devils can figure it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. They've had some trouble against the Devils, too. Like, I hope they look at those as challenges as opposed to being like, all right, let's just get through this and get home. What game are you most looking forward to? Probably the Rangers game. Um, yeah, not what... not just from the Canucks' perspective. I'm curious about the Rangers themselves. I want to know if this team is for real. I want them to uh, – the Devils game is the one I'm looking forward to the most. Because it's a Saturday game, too. But um, I want to see them exercise the Devils. No, I want to see them yeah. actually have a much more competent game and show that they, they they seem to get unglued when they play New Jersey. I don't know if it's the speed unglued. factor. Yeah, the speed factor. too went, many hues on the ice. That could be a thing. Teams I don't know. that forecheck with speed, it's going to be a problem for most teams in the NHL. But I feel like especially for the Canucks – it's a problem. And I'm also By looking, the way, oh, okay. uh, they wasted their Florida trip like too early in the season. They went to uh, Tampa and Florida in October. Yeah, they should have waited. And now they've got this really depressing January trip. You go through, you go into St. Louis in January, and then at least you see some bright lights in the big city. You go through New Jersey, New York, New York. Then it's Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and Columbus. I just hope the Canucks aren't like down when they come home. They're Did like, you see- I've seen some stuff, man. I've seen, I've seen Buffalo on January thirteenth. <laughs> have you seen the the U.S. this weekend is supposed to have like some of the most awful winter winter weather coast to coast? Oh, really? Yeah. There's like there's consider there's snow. If you look, because the NFL is already prepping for the final week of the regular season and what some of the outdoor games are going to look mm-hmm. like, and they're like both coasts are going to get hit with snow. It's going to be miserable in a lot of different places. I guarantee a lot of people. Florida who traveled with the team maybe on the broadcast too, looked at that schedule and they were like, oh, we got Florida too early. Too yeah, early. Way too early. Yeah. They probably went there when it was uncomfortable to be in Florida. I mean, I've been to Columbus in the winter. It's just, it's the it's so dry. That's all I remember about it is the snow couldn't stick because it was like dust. Yeah, it's, it's terrible snowball weather. Yeah. You like can't the kids be- are outside trying to have a snowball fight and it's just the saddest thing. They're just... It's like Flinging sand. Powder it's basically like yeah. sand. It's like you can't get it. Yeah, it doesn't work. Very anyway. sad. Anyway, Very okay. Sad. There's the music. We got to go, but we will be back tomorrow. Uh, signing off for now. Thank you all for listening yet again. I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Oh, that wasn't right, sir. No. Should watch the game, Drancer. Oh!